So, I want you to engage your brains this morning, and we're just going to have a little think about a question. Uh, Inia Waller asked me, why have we got a question mark at the beginning on the first slide? Well, it's a bit of a morbid question, so bear with me. But the question is this. I'm hoping this clicker works. Let's try turning it on. OK, here we go. So, if you knew that today was your last day on Earth, OK, slightly morbid, but what would your words, what would you want your words to be? So imagine you're surrounded by your loved ones, OK? What would you want to say? And the reason I'm asking that is quite often people's last words are quite poignant, quite important. So just for 30 seconds, turn to the person next to you and see if you can answer that question. What would you want to leave as a legacy of your last words? Off you go. OK, a little bit of laughter going on. That's quite nice to hear. I'm kind of wondering what on earth people are saying. Um, I've sprung that question on you. Has anybody heard anything profound or anything they'd like to share? People's last words? What would you want to say? So that is, a, it's not a rhetorical question. Maria, what would you want to say? I would say I will be meeting you face to face. Fantastic. I don't know if you heard what Maria said, but I will be meeting with you face to face. This isn't the end. I'm going to see you again. Would anybody else like to share anything, either profound or amusing? Okay, we'll move on. I did a little bit of research about this. So famous last words. Okay. Okay, here we go. Uh, four famous people up on the slides. Okay, so Thomas Edison invented lots of things, but famous for the, the light bulb. Uh, Bessie Smith, I think she was a blues jazz singer. Um, early 20th century, Bob Marley, pioneer of reggae, and Winston Churchill was uh, our Prime Minister during the war and then in the early 50s. So, a little bit of a, again, something to get our brains into. Out of those four people, you've got a one in four chance. Who said, famous last words, money can't buy life? So, hands up, was it Thomas, Ed Thomas Edison? Who votes for him? Okay, Bessie Smith, nobody. Bob Marley? And Winston Churchill. Okay, you're all right. Well done. <laughs> nice, easy one to start. Right, here's the next one. It's very beautiful over there. Okay, so you've got a one in three chance now. Thomas Edison, who votes for him? Absolutely nobody. Bessie Smith? Yeah. Lots of hands. Or Winston Churchill? Okay, here we go. Surprise, surprise, Thomas Edison, it's very beautiful over there. Sounds like he had a faith, doesn't it? Okay, 50-50 now. Who do you think said this? I'm going, but I'm going in the name of the Lord. So we've got Bessie Smith or Winston Churchill. Okay, slightly split there. Okay, Bessie Smith. So... Rather than put up Winston Churchill's last words, does anybody know or can anybody guess what Winston Churchill's last words were? Does anybody know? Anybody want to guess? What was that? <laughs> okay, so yeah, he does actually. That's what he said. I'm bored with it all. Apparently. Okay, so just recently, some of you may recognise this lovely couple. So Caroline's cringing over there, but this is her parents, um, Jean and Richard. 
Uh, Richard's 91 and Jean is 87 and they're battling a little bit with kind of the health related issues of that age. But we've been going up there quite a lot, Caroline in particularly since I think last August. Um, and this was then pictured on Valentine's Day. We made them a little candlelit meal. Can you see them holding hands? They've been married for nearly 70 years. We actually had to tell your dad to hold Jean's hand, didn't we? But love isn't lost. Um, and it looks like Jean's got a really big glass of rosé wine. That is actually pink lemonade, but uh, just, just in case you're worried. But they've loved coming to Trinity over the years. They always ask us about Jill and Duncan. They always ask us about Trinity Church. Um, when Caroline used to run the coffee morning before COVID, they used to come along. Jean made amazing cakes. It was worth going to just to eat those. And they're a really lovely couple. And Dick knows he's getting towards the end of his life and he wants to make sure his final words have a legacy. So much so, he's written a little book and he's called it Life's Answer. And he's written a little introduction to it as well. And he's given that to his five children and his 14 grandchildren and his four great-grandchildren. And, uh, you know, he wants to make sure that his words, his words of wisdom that he's gained for faithfully following Jesus for decades, uh, leave a legacy. So now we've got the concept of people's last words being important and maybe wanting to leave a legacy, uh, let's have a look at Jesus' last words. They're written in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts was written by Luke, who's one of Jesus' disciples. He spent years walking with Jesus, seeing everything that he saw. Uh, and the book of Acts was written about three decades after Jesus' death and resurrection. So it was written fairly recently after Jesus was around. So I reckon it's a fairly accurate record. We can probably trust the book of Acts in terms of the accuracy of the words and the things that were written. So these were Jesus' last 33 years. Not before he died, but before he ascended into heaven and was last seen on this earth face-to-face -face with his disciples. So let's have a little read of them. Okay, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They were the last 33 words that he spoke, and then he ascended into heaven. So probably Jesus knew that those words were quite important. He chose his words carefully. He wanted them to be remembered by his disciples. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes people read those words and feel a little bit condemned, actually. Because uh, sometimes it's tempting to focus on the bit in the text about us being a witness for Jesus. And I think sometimes, we sometimes think we're not doing a great job at that. I've heard people uh, question themselves. You know, when was the last time I talked to Jesus about my friends? When was the last time I mentioned the name of Jesus in my workplace? When have I ever led somebody to the Lord? You know, I've invited friends to church so many times over the decades. All those special services where the gospel's preached. Do they ever come? Or if they come, nothing happens. I've almost given up. I'm surrounded by non-Christians. They don't seem interested in Jesus, even though sometimes I try and talk about him or talk about what I'm up to. And, you know, maybe we're not allowed to witness a work. I could get sacked if I go around witnessing a lot. And at the end of it, we feel a bit rubbish. I don't know if that's just me or anybody can relate to that kind of feeling. And then we start to think, well, I'm obviously not filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe I'm not a good enough Christian for Jesus to pour out his Holy Spirit upon me. So sometimes... Uh, you know, we can read those words and perhaps feel a little bit condemned. But let's just go through those words now. 
I'll start with the first word. Okay, but interesting word to start a sentence with, isn't it? And the reason Jesus starts with a but is because the previous verse is where he's talking about, or the disciples are talking about what they expected Jesus' plan to be, which was to establish the kingdom of Israel, re-establish the kingdom of Israel now, and overthrow the Roman Empire, and the kingdom of God will come instantly in power. But he said, actually, but I've got another plan, and this is my plan. I'm going to ascend to heaven. Yes, my kingdom will be established when I come again, but this is the, the alternative plan. This is the plan that I've got for now. I think you is really important, but you. Now, obviously, at the time, he was talking to his immediate disciples, the 11 disciples that were left, but you means you. You means me, okay? We are Jesus' disciples, and we need to really get a hold of that, but you, but we this morning, okay? I think the word will is really important, okay? If Duncan was sitting here, I would have said Duncan will be 57 on his next birthday. I will be 58 on my next birthday. I know you're going to find that really hard to believe, but it's true. Um, But the will, there's a certainty about will, okay? So this morning, let's grasp that. But you, that's us, will, okay? What will happen? What's certain? Okay, receive power. Wow, okay. And again, I think some people get a bit stuck on that. And they kind of think, oh, do I want this power, this supernatural power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead? Do I want that to come in my life? What will happen? Will I disintegrate and implode? What, what will happen? I'm a bit scared about this. Will my lifestyle completely change? Maybe it's got to change a bit, but you know what? We get a bit fearful of that. You know, will I fall over? What if I don't feel anything? And if I don't feel anything, am I not a good enough Christian? All those kind of things. Can you relate to some of those thoughts? I just wanted to kind of grapple with that a bit this morning. But you will receive power. And how will we receive power? Like what's happened this morning when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Okay, so it's definitely going to happen. Okay, we're ordinary people, ordinary disciples. It's you and me. We can receive extraordinary power. Now the Bible talks about us being ordinary people. It talks about us being jars of clay. Okay, that's nothing special, is it? But when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and we will receive the Holy Spirit, we'll become treasure. We'll have treasures in jars of clay. And Romans 9, 21 talks about that. In the Message Bible, it says that we, we will be crafted to show his glorious goodness. The NLV says to make the riches of his glory shown. And the NLT says to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy. Okay? And that's happening. I I see that in the church. I see that across the room. I see it in people who believe Jesus around me, who are following Jesus. And what I want us to get hold of is there's a cause and effect relationship here. The disciples and we can receive power. That's the cause. The effect is that there'll be something that happens. Okay? You will be my witnesses. So it's just literally going to happen. Come and fill me with your Holy Spirit and you will be a witness for Jesus. It's just as simple as that. It doesn't say you're going to fall over or shake. It doesn't say your clay pot, pot is going to break. It just says you're going to be filled with treasure that shines his glory. Okay, where are we going to be his witnesses? So Jesus said Jerusalem, Judea, 
Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Does that mean we have to go to the Middle East and start witnessing there? Okay, let's have a look at those places. So Jerusalem, where the disciples were already. Judea, the familiar region of Judea. Samaria, culturally different region. And then to the ends of the earth. Let's have a little think about that. So maybe Jerusalem is going to be, you know, places that are very familiar to us, our family, our friends. You know, Jean and Dick, even in their latter years, are being a witness to their family and their friends. Some of them would say they believe in Jesus, some of them don't, but they're being a witness. Maybe Judea, familiar region. Could that be our work colleagues, our relatives, maybe people we bump into when we take the kids to school? Okay, what about the, the culturally different region of Samaria? Maybe that's acquaintances, maybe that's people groups we don't necessarily naturally mix with, but it'll just be people where we're slightly different. And then ends of the earth, obviously anyone we meet. And interestingly enough, all of those places could have had negative connotations for Jesus. So Jerusalem was where he was crucified. Judea, his ministry was actually rejected. Samaria was a very culturally different region. Jews tended to avoid going there. Jesus went there, he sat by a well, he talked to a Samaritan lady by the well. We know that story really well. And then the ends of the earth, you know, where people are complete strangers. So that, again, a little challenge this morning, you know, that Jesus' gospel challenges us to maybe mix with people that we don't naturally mix with. Maybe uh, members of society are considered to be outcasts. Maybe that colleague at work who really winds you up, you're called to be a witness to him or her. Jesus is calling us to be witnesses everywhere. And again, I think this passage reminds us of the inclusivity of the gospel. There's no distinction, is there? The gospel of Jesus doesn't take human divisions, prejudices or fears. So my question this morning is, you know, where is your Jerusalem? Where is your Judea? Where is your Sumeria? But if we can receive extraordinary power... Let's just unpick now, what can we expect? And I've just got six things that I'd like to share with you this morning. These are some of the things that you can expect if you allow Jesus to fill you with his Holy Spirit. If you just stand there and say, come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. So the first thing, okay, a little bit of a clue in the picture. You will be able to be filled with his Holy Spirit and fruit will grow in your life, okay? And I really thought about that. Does a tree have to think about the type of fruit that it grows? Not really. It just is rooted. It grows fruit. It just happens, okay? And I think there's a message there for us. The passage that I'm thinking of when I think of this is Galatians 5. Let's have a little read of that. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Definitely does it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. We see it in abundance in our church, in our family. We see people displaying that kind of fruit. Is there a fruit up there that you'd like a little bit more of? Okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Maybe in your circumstances at the moment, would you like a little bit more fruit to grow in one particular area? 
And again, what I want to remind you is very often we don't see the fruit growing in our lives. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. You don't see it yourself. You kind of think, oh, you know, is it happening? But actually people around you will notice fruit growing in your lives. And, and I've noticed this, you know, I just go about my business, do my job every day, but then, you know, three years down the line, someone will say, oh, you're always smiling. How come you're so happy? And you think, oh, okay, maybe somebody's noticed a bit of fruit in my life. You know, another occasion, you're always picking up litter. Why are you picking up litter? It's not even your litter. I walk around the workplace picking up litter, tidying up, emptying the dishwasher at the end of the day, putting it on so it's ready for the colleagues in, uh, coming in the morning. Okay, is that kindness? Uh, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully it's a kind act and people notice that. They don't often say it though, do they? They often don't come up to you and say, we notice this in your life. That's maybe happens in Christian circles, but not out there in the world. But people will notice your fruit. Okay, I've got a little board in my office, tucked behind my printer, and you know, sometimes I get a little card and I like sticking it up there and I have a little glance through them. Sometimes it's a bit encouraging. But, uh, I don't know if you can see that scrap of paper bottom right, but that really uh, blessed me. Uh, so a colleague the other day, I think it was a few weeks ago now, I came to my desk and there was a little scrap of paper there and she just wrote, thank you for making my workplace a kind school. I appreciate you, Steph. That really blessed me. And I thought, do you know what? It's quite hard sometimes when you have to make decisions that not everybody agrees with, but that really blessed me and I thought, I'm sure you've got uh, situations where, again, people notice things in you. So be encouraged. The fruit is growing because you're filled with the Holy Spirit and people will notice it. So, second thing, be filled. Okay, that's the main thing I want to get across this morning. Ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we can grow in wisdom. Okay, here's my little passage just to remind you. Isaiah 11. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So do you need a bit more wisdom this morning? Okay, I've been so uh, challenged recently. I've had a lot of situations where I've literally just had to say to Jesus, would you give me your wisdom? Because this is kind of beyond wisdom for me. Uh, and I don't know if you have any opportunity. I was thinking of you, Tim, actually. You know, you go and speak on the media and go into all sorts of challenging situations. Have you got anything coming up this week? No, no but you, you're out there, aren't you? And I'm sure I know that Tim will literally say, God, would you pour out your wisdom? Would you give me the words to say? And I've had situations where potentially they could have been very negative with colleagues. You, you end up kind of following a process and giving somebody something at the end which potentially could be negative. But actually, through God's wisdom, we've done the process and they've shaken me by the hand and said thank you for something which potentially could have been quite negative. So wisdom is there for you. We've just got to ask for it and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the third thing? Okay, be self-disciplined. This is something else the Holy Spirit brings. So we can buy so many books, and they're all good books. They'll all help you establish good habits in your life and get self-disciplined. But actually, all you need to do is say, come on, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. So 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. And uh, there's been times in my life where I've needed more self-discipline. I've been challenged about that. And I just felt this morning, I'm just going to put it out then. I don't need anybody to respond. But I just wondered if there's one or two people here, maybe male and female, who just thinks, do you know what, I've got a habit in my life that I know isn't glorifying God at the moment. And I'm trying to do it in my own strength. I'm trying to crack it and stop it. But I just need a bit more self-discipline. So I'm just going to put it out there. If you need help, in an area of your life and need some more self-discipline, 
you know where to come. Um, I'm a bit of a hypocrite. I say to kids, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Tell them, make sure you eat breakfast before you come to school and learn. It feeds your brain and you'll have a better day. And for t many times I, d I skip breakfast. I think, oh, I'll just go to work and crack on. But actually, that's been an area of my life that I've now got more self-discipline in. I now have breakfast. Uh, it helps me also read the Bible. I have my breakfast, I read the Bible. I go to work 20 minutes later. And it's a little daily routine that I've now got into my life. They actually say if you do something for, I think it's 21 days, it'll become a habit. If you do it for 90 days, it will become part of your lifestyle. So you can kind of work on that and take that little tip away if you want to, again, pray for God to come and fill you with the Holy Spirit to gain more self-discipline. Okay, my fourth thing is this. So be filled. Don't know if you can guess from the picture. But grow in purity and holiness. And 2 Corinthians 6, verse 6 says this. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness... Do you recognise those words again from the fruits of the Spirit? By the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. So that's again going to be one way that we witness to the world. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, grow in the fruits, be self-disciplined, but people will notice your purity. I was with, in a meeting the other day with uh, somebody and they actually said, you know what, in the old days I used to really love watching those gangster films where every other word is the F word and lots of swearing, lots of violence. They said, I can't watch it anymore. It's just not doing me any good. It's not helping me be more pure. And I'm sure that was the Holy Spirit prompting them to say, look, now's the time just to lay that aside. Let's watch something else on the TV. Okay, but again, just ask yourself this morning, would you like to be more pure? And people will notice purity. You know, I've heard it so many times, you know, people say to, say to people around us, you know, I notice you don't swear, I notice you don't react in a certain way that other people react. And when people react in those ways, it grates a little bit, we kind of notice it. That's purity growing in your life. Okay, so bear fruit, grow in wisdom, be self-disciplined, be pure. The fifth thing that we can expect from God. Big clue there. Who doesn't like a present? Who doesn't like a gift? Okay, so let's have a read of 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11. This is the kind of very popular passage that people go to when they think about gifts of the Holy Spirit. But we'll read it and then I'll share some thoughts. So a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. That's important, isn't it? You get a spiritual gift to help someone, to help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice, back to wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides what each gift, which gift each person should have. And I'm sure as I'm reading that list, you'll think, oh yeah, that person, I recognise that person. Even in our church, he's got that gift, got a little bit more of that, got a bit more of that. And, uh, but that list of gifts is not the be-all and end-all. There are many other passages in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts. Um, so, for example, 1 Peter 4, verse 7 to 11. Okay, we can have a look, look at that gift. That kind of passage talks about living spirit-filled lives and using God-given spiritual gifts. Look at that list there. 
You know, are there people in, the, in our congregation who pray earnestly? Of course there are. People that love one another. We know there are people that share their home, people that host a life group every week, open up their home. We know there are people that do that. Providing meals, every time you provide a meal, you know, maybe for the homeless shelter, that's a spiritual gift you're exercising. Providing a place to stay. <coughs> serving others. So Bruno, just thinking of you and your team, every week serving. That's a gift, spiritual gift. Join, join Bruno's team. Use your spiritual gift. Speaking and chatting with others. It says it in 1 Peter. Are there people here who've got the gift of chatting? I know there are. Yeah, chatting to people. Yeah, we've got a few laughter there. Just speaking, chatting. And don't forget, speaking and chatting is also as much about listening to people as well. It's not just talking at people. It's a conversation. It's listening. How many people in the world don't listen to each other now? But just listening, sharing one another's burdens. Okay? If you've got that gift, that's great. Okay, talking to colleagues, talking to people we meet. Speaking as though God himself was speaking through you. That's what the passage says. Yeah, listening to people. Being a listening ear, speaking just the odd bit of wisdom that we can get in there. And then the gift of helping others. I think, I, I love that gift. I get something from helping others. I really like that. When I've got the time, I like getting alongside somebody and helping somebody. And that really blesses me. So I don't know if anybody else has got that gift. But that's a, a spiritual gift. And in the passage it says, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. So fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to you know, grow in these gifts. Not just the ones in 1 Corinthians, uh, but these ones in Peter as well, and the other verses in the Bible that we can read. And it says, then, do, then everything you do, what will it do? will bring glory to God through Christ Jesus. So, sixth thing, we're on number six now. Okay, lots of goals in life, aren't there? You look at those goals, they're all good goals, aren't they? They're all good to have, it's nice to have goals in life, but they're all... Uh, temporary goals, aren't they? In the passage of time, they will all fade. But actually, being filled with the Holy Spirit gives you an eternal goal. Okay? So what's the goal that we need to write on that green post-it note this morning? And 1 Corinthians 14, I would suggest, verse 1, tells us what goal we should write on that post-it note. Okay? Let love be our highest goal. And this ties in with the fact that the Holy Spirit calls us to be witnesses. By the Holy Spirit in us and constantly filling us, we will be able to love others around us and be an effective witness for Jesus. That's how we will be Jesus' true disciples. So that's one way that our church demonstrates love. And then we've got other projects like Baby Basics. We've got uh, other things like the homeless shelter going on. We've got all these things that are going on, people individually doing things, deciding to go off to Malta, and just show love there to people in Malta if you've signed up for that. Um, but, you know, this is what John 13 says, doesn't it? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then again, if we're called to be disciples, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's our highest goal, isn't it? And the Holy Spirit in us can help us be good witnesses, good disciples, and show love to the world. So I've mentioned six things that kind of were on my heart this morning, but the main thing that I want to get across this morning is just to say the prayer. Just say, you know, and also just be filled. Just say, Lord, come and fill me this morning. Just as the Holy Spirit was hovering around us this morning, weaving in and out of us, just let's open up our hands and just say, 
uh, just come and fill me, Jesus, with your Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, we do become just literally living witnesses, even without necessarily uttering words. There'll be times when we get the chance to say things, and that's great. But even just living and people watching us, they don't read the Bible these days, but they watch your lives. This is what made the people in the early church refer to the early church as Christians. Okay, they behaved like Christ. They had the Holy Spirit in them and people noticed they were different and they noticed and called them Christians. And this work of witnessing will be possible when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he promised, you know, Jesus promised that the power of the Holy Spirit would give us the power to walk in his path. Um, and that's what this passage is all about. People will see Jesus in us. They'll see us loving as he is loving, forgiving as he is forgiving, tender-hearted as he is tender-hearted, kind as he is kind, pure as he is pure. Okay, the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. And if we've got the Holy Spirit in us, we will point to Jesus. It's just as simple as that. Um, yeah, I don't know how your life is going on at the moment, but those of you who know me know I work in education. And that's just some of the stuff that's going on in education at the moment. You know, that tragedy tragedy of that head teacher committing suicide over Ofsted, the pressure of Ofsted. That wasn't great to read. That's rocked the kind of education world. You know, self-harm, mental health in children, just rocketed. Probably to do with the pandemic. We're still recovering from that. Attendance at schools has literally dropped. Most schools could get 95, 96% attendance. Most kids come into school each and every day. Most schools nationally are now struggling to get a 10% of their school in. So we're getting 90% in, but there's 10% of children, on average, across the whole country, staying at home, not coming to school. No recruitment crisis. Okay? You know, putting out adverts, literally national adverts, not getting any applicants. Maybe one applicant, two applicants. In the old days, you used to get 40. So there are real challenges, even in the world that I'm in at the moment. Um, and, you know, we've all heard about the teacher strikes. And that's going on in other people's worlds as well, isn't it? Okay. So just to bring it closer to home, I run a school in Bushy. The Watford Observer, they never print anything positive. Uh, and there's lots of negativity. You know, you can read those articles, and I just do not recognise the school that I work in. But, you know, there's some that's a bit closer to home. They always find something negative to print about. And I kind of think, you know, there's stuff going on in all of our lives. There's challenges going on in all of our lives. What's our answer to that? It's to say, God, would you come and fill me with your Holy Spirit? That's the answer. Not to get kind of anxious about things that are going on, but just make that our prayer. Um, the other day, someone turned up in my workplace. It was a busy day. They hadn't made an appointment. They kind of just literally rucked up. And I thought, Do you know what, okay, come and sit in my office, I'll listen to you, I'll talk to you. And it was a guy, an older guy, probably slightly older than me, but he, his son used to come to the school that I run, and uh, tragically he took his life at the age of 42 last Easter, but he wanted to come back and just connect him with the school where his son went. He had a positive time there, he was very good at sport. Uh, I think their basketball team ended up winning the Hertfordshire kind of County Cup in the year that he was in the basketball team. He was the most valuable player. And this guy wanted to donate a cup in memory of his, of his son. And just to engage with him about that, and he wanted a little plaque put up and some photos, that's fine. I took him around the school, introduced him to a few key people. And, you know, just to spend a bit of time with somebody. Didn't pray for him. I 
kind of thought in my office, shall I pray for him? But I didn't. But just, I had such a lovely email. Just thank you so much for your kindness, your time that you spent with me and helping him in that process. And I think, Caroline, you mentioned a story that Pat had mentioned at a life group the other day. So, and, and then you were able to talk about that at work. You know, you work for the NHS, so you're in your busy office at work and you're talking about Trinity Food Bank and talking about how, you know, Pat's literally down to her last toilet roll to be able to give out. And what's the next car that comes in? They open the boot, it's full of toilet rolls. And just the provision of God and just having that kind of natural conversation at work, just, again, showing something of God's love in the workplace. I'm sure, again, there's many people here that have those uh, conversations. doesn't happen very often, but the other day someone knocked on my office door, I think it was about seven o'clock in the morning, and said, oh, can I have a word with you? And normally when they say that is to ask for more money, is to say they've spotted a job somewhere else and can you write me a reference, or it's to, I don't know, uh, moan about something. But they actually came in and said, would you pray for me? And it took me back a little bit, because they weren't a Christian, they're from a different religion, and I said, yeah, of course I'll pray for you. What's this all about? And their uncle was going in to have an operation on his heart. And he, I know I chatted to this guy over many years, or the years that I'd been there, so he knows I come to church. He's probably looked on Trinity website. He knows about my faith. But he came to my office this morning, uh, that morning and said, will you pray for me? Shut the door, sat down. I said, look, are you happy if I just pray how I normally pray? Because um, he would pray in a very different way. And I prayed and, you know, just, yeah, it was just one of those moments. So. Uh, again, just look out for those moments in your life as well. So that's pretty much, I think, what I wanted to share. Um, yeah, I think that's important to remember. Okay. Um, what I'm going to do, I'm just actually going to ask. There's a few groups of people that I particularly wanted to pray for this morning. So I've talked about education a little bit. Would you mind standing? if you work in anything to do with education, um, even if you, I don't know, mealtime supervisor, teacher, TA. Um, I was also thinking, you know, my cleaner, my head cleaner at school shines the light of Jesus, even if you're a cleaner and that's your job. Would you, would you mind just standing this morning if you work in anything to do with education? I don't want to embarrass you, but I just want us to just look at our family this morning and look at the people who are involved in education. And can we stretch out a hand at these people? And Lord, we recognise that these brothers and sisters in our church family are on the front line in education. And there's a lot going on in education at the moment. And we just want to pray, would you fill them with your Holy Spirit this morning? Lord Jesus, I'm sure you've been filling them. We've been worshipping you. But Lord, would you come and touch them with a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit? Father God, I pray for anybody here who wants to get involved in the world of education. Will you touch their hearts, renew a calling on their heart, perhaps to step up and join these people in our midst, Father. But come and pour your spirit out this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, the next people that I'd like to stand is anybody that works in the caring profession or for the NHS. You've really been on my heart this week. So can I ask you, again, I don't want to embarrass you, but if you work for the NHS or you work in a caring profession, would you mind just standing this morning? And it's good to look around, isn't it? This is fantastic. All these wonderful people working for an amazing organisation. It's got fantastic Christian roots. But we want to pray for these guys, so stretch out your hands. If you're nearby, just touch a hand on these people's 
shoulders and we just say, Lord, would you come, Jesus, and fill these people with your Holy Spirit. We want to thank you for the work that they do. We want to thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the hundreds of people that they meet in the course of their workplace. Lord, would you let them shine as a shining light for you because they're filled with your Holy Spirit. Would the fruit of their tree just be falling around everywhere? Kindness, goodness, patience, self-control, all those lovely things that your Holy Spirit brings, Father. Come on, Lord, would you bless them this week in their workplace situation with everything that's going on, all the strikes, all the pay negotiations, all the recruitment crisis, Jesus. Would you come and let them have an amazing week for you because they're filled with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Bear with me. There's one other group that I've got in my heart. And is there anybody here that looks after children? So uh, in your kind of day-to-day life, you might not be paid for it. You might be a mum or a dad, a stay-at-home mum or dad. But is there anybody here that looks after children? So is there anybody that would be willing to stand? I don't want to embarrass you. Yeah. Do, you mind st- do you mind standing so we can see you? Because I think it's such an important thing that you do. Okay, thank you. I don't want to embarrass you. Forgive me if you're being embarrassed by this, but if you look after children, do you know what? It's a challenge. I never had to do it full time, but it's a challenge, isn't it? So come on, we want to extend a hand now. We want to say, Lord, you're here in the room. Your spirit was hovering amongst us in our worship. And we say, Lord, would you come and bless these wonderful people who look after children? And would you again give them everything that they need? Would you give them the patience that they need? Would you fill them with your Holy Spirit so that the children, even without asking questions, will just see you, Jesus? Would they point to you, Jesus? Come on, Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit, we pray. Pour out your blessing upon them, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so thank you so much for for listening this morning. I hope that's blessed you. Um, But remember, the main prayer is just, Jesus, come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make it a daily prayer, even when you're, you're cleaning your teeth in the morning. Look in the mirror, say, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? It's there for you. Don't be condemned by that passage in 1 uh, Acts uh, 8, but just be, we realise that the Holy Spirit is there for you. And that's how we will be witnesses in the world. So God bless you this week. We're going to hand back to Dom and Lizzie. Um,